Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. So I have a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Arnie Mielken, who's Senior tra Global Trade and Customs Manager at E2Open. And today we're going to Thanks. talk about preparing for Brexit, what supply chain leaders need to know. So, you know, Brexit is back in the news uh, today as, as we get closer to October 31st. And, you know, that's the date that the UK is scheduled to leave uh, the EU. Uh, that is, of course, if it doesn't get the, you know, delayed again. Um, so it's been a kind of a roller coaster ride for the past three years, but there's one thing that's remained the same, and that is that supply chain uh, leaders have had to uh, deal with ongoing risks and, um, and uncertainty. So um, where are we today with, with Brexit? What are some of those risks and uncertainty? And what can supply chain leaders do today to prepare effectively moving forward? Well, those are some of the key questions we're going to address in today's episode, and uh, it's great to have Arnie with us to kind of share his insights and advice on this topic. So Arnie, welcome to the program. Thanks, great to be on your program, thanks. So Arnie, you know, we, we've had uh, some of your colleagues uh, there at e open on the program uh, you know, over the past few years. Uh, you're a first time guest here on, on Talking Logistics. Uh, I, I always, I'm always curious before we dive into this you know, very timely and important topic of a breakfast, a Brexit, I'm always curious in terms of how people get involved with this industry to begin with. So, why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with this industry, and, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at E2Open. Sure. So I'm, um, as you said, a, a senior global trade and customers manager at E2Open, and I'm responsible for providing customer insights on the value of our products, of our global trade intelligence uh, applications. Um, I help to explain what uh, products we offer, and I generally promote E2Open's um, next generation applications in, in our platform. Um, I joined E2Open with the acquisition of Ember Road um, just a couple of months back. So I'm new to the, um, to the field of E2Open, but I have 15 years of experience with customs, global trade, and supply chain management. So before, I worked in uh, large consultancies, uh, Grant Thornton and Deloitte, and there I assisted clients with uh, duty management programs, with uh, saving, maximizing cost-saving opportunities with, with customs regimes, all that, that good stuff to enhance compliance. So henceforth, I work in, um, I work in the trade compliance field of all the beautiful applications that E2Open has. And, um, you know, supply chains are becoming, becoming increasingly complex constructs um, where, where demand is disconnected from supply and, and the vast majority of activities uh, that, that, that were happening once in inside a company are now happening outside this company. So data um, resides now outside a company. Um, and so this is really exciting for me to be involved in because while we changed our supply chain from being internally focused to externally focused, we forgot to connect the dots. Um, now uh, we don't really know where the data is, but it is so essential and you know this from a trade compliance and customs perspective, where you need to follow stringent regulations, that you have the right data, the complete data, the accurate data, um, the, 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 the real data, in fact, real-time data. And so all of this together, the supply chain changes the complexity, plus the world of customs, the geeky nature of, of customs is exciting. And so now that I get to be at E2Open, I get to see how a, uh, such a great company uh, puts all of that together and that's exciting yeah no I, absolutely i mean i think you know particularly this this area of trade compliance um you know a lot of people historically have thought about it particularly if you think about global trade management software they thought about it as, as a piece of software but in yep. reality 
uh, you know, I always talked about, you know, the three C's of global trade, right? Which was, you know, uh, you know, not only the software piece, but there was content, right? The data, the information, the regulations, and understand that, you know, and connectivity being the, another C, right? Which is, you know, the fact that there was many trading partners that are involved in a global movement, you know, from a purchase order all the way to final delivery that are involved in that transaction that need to be part of, of the, you know, the, the exchange of information, data and documents and, and so forth. So that's another, you know, critical component of this. And, you know, when we talk about Brexit and certainly here in the United States, you know, we talk about what's happening with the U.S. and China. I think the one good thing that's come out of all of this is that the role of trade compliance and the role of trade compliance uh, professionals within organizations has been elevated because now CEOs and CFOs are knocking on the door of their trade compliance folks internally, as well as the trade compliant experts at their partners, whether they be logistic service providers or, uh, you know, technology providers such as yourselves to kind of learn as much as possible in terms of how to navigate through this, uh, you know, this uncertain and risky uh, environment. So, you know, with that, let's get started. I mean, with, with, with Brexit, I mean, I always joke that, you know, Brexit seems like this long developing drama or soap opera where the, you know, the ending keeps just getting pushed out and out, you know, so, so where are we today with, with Brexit and why is it back in the headlines? Thank you for the question. Well, by the time you, 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 our, your viewers may see this, the situation may have changed already again. Huh? Um, while I speak, the situation may change. So, uh, yeah, you say the soap opera. It's, it's really true. I'm in London here, right? So I live this. I've been living the soap opera for the last three years. Well, look, to, to cut a long story short, you know very well what happened three years ago. We had a referendum where the majority of voters decided to leave the European Union. This construct, uh, they favored a departure. Then the UK served its notice on the 29th of March. That then started a two-year process. And this year, on the 29th of March, did Brexit happen? No, it didn't. We decided on an extension. Then we decided on another extension. And now we're here. What's different now is that we have a new prime minister. And this prime, this prime minister, Boris Johnson, has changed tone, has changed policy, has changed attitude. And he is now determined to get the United Kingdom out of the European Union. No ifs or buts. In fact, he said, and I quote, he'd rather be dead in a ditch than to ask the European Union to prolong Brexit again. So he doesn't want to ask for an extension. The challenge, of course, is that the parliament doesn't agree. So his legislature, they have now passed a law that requires him legally to go to Brussels and beg, ask for another extension until January 2020. He said he won't. So there is a lot of drama, I guess is the word, and uncertainty that originates from the UK. And it is as fascinating as a soap opera to watch, although it's, of course, unfortunate, bitter reality. Now, one thing people miss, though, is that it doesn't depend only on the UK. We have 27 member states that have to agree to this. And if you told your child twice not to touch the fire, and the third time it says to you, hey, I still want to touch my fire, what are you going to do? Maybe you let it touch the fire just so that you learn the lesson. So it is not only the question of the UK, whether this extension gets done. It is a question of the EU27, and the EU27 is relatively fed up with the whole thing. At the point, current point of time, we just don't know. Legally speaking, it's clear. If nothing else happened, departure is on the 31st of October at 11 p.m. or, that's British standard time, or 
or midnight on the 1st of November. And that's your Brexit. That's where we are right now. Uncertainty and chaos ranges. But if, we, if you ask me to pinpoint it, the legal answer is 31st of October or Halloween. Yeah, well, that, that is, you know, for, for some, it's a very scary, uh, you, know, you know, proposition. I love your analogy of, uh, you know, the child and, you know, not touching the fire. You know, after a while, you go, okay, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn your lesson if, uh, if, if, if you don't uh, want to listen there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it, it's, you know, it, it's very interesting because despite, uh, you know, all this ongoing drama, I mean, companies still have to plan for all sorts of, of different scenarios, right? So, which makes it complex because, you know, it could go so many different directions and depending on which direction it goes, that has implications on, you know, the supply chains in terms of how you manage your inventory, in terms of your orders, in terms of where you're sourcing from, in terms of contingency plans and all sorts of things that, um, you know, at the moment, you know, obviously companies around the world, um, not only the EU, but even here in the U.S. that trades with, you know, the U.K. and trades with the European Union, um, you know, are kind of stuck in a, a kind of this, this limbo you know, position. Now, one of those scenarios they hear a lot about, and I think it's the one that uh, your current prime minister is kind of, uh, uh, you know, pushing, or at least he's, he is the one that uh, seems that might, might happen if, if nothing else, uh, if it doesn't get delayed, is this, you know, no deal, you know, scenario. I mean, what does that mean, you know, exactly? And then what are the implications if that is the scenario that it, it indeed happens? So, so I, I don't want to correct you, obviously, because you're, the, you're, you're, you're a great guy. But just to be very clear, because if Boris is now Mr. Johnson, my PM is listening to this, he will be terrified by you saying that he is favoring no deal. The formal position, of course, is that he is not favoring a no deal. He wants an agreement. But if there is no agreement, he's prepared to take the UK on its course outside the European Union. Now, no deal is the term that we use if, as I said, no agreement is reached with the European uh, Union. And again, we, we love analogies. We need analogies to understand this complex Brexit. So take a divorce. When you divorce yourself from your partner, well, it can either be very abrupt and very hard. So we don't discuss who gets the dog, who gets half of the house or the inventory, or you have a settlement. That's a normal procedure. You agree who keeps the cat. So that's what the EU wants to do. They, they they want a withdrawal agreement. Boris Johnson said, you know what? To my terms. And here are the terms. And the EU so far is not prepared to budge. So no deal is a reality. It is reality on the 31st of October, 11 o'clock, if nothing else is decided, if there's no withdrawal agreement. And it means, in terms of trade, the exit of the UK from the common structures, the common trading system established over more than four uh, decades ago, decades ago, uh, decades ago. It's a system of wholly harmonized customs procedures, of wholly harmonized trade rules. Um, and there are no internal borders. There is a common external tariff. And if you think about it, take the US, for example. It's, it's, uh, this is an ideal environment to, to flourish, to build business, to flourish, to grow, to, but also to connect with third-party logistics providers, uh, distributors, retailers, warehouse operators across not only one country, but EU 28 countries. And then, so you, you really have choice. You can choose who to work with, whether that be in Greece, whether that be in Estonia. You choose who you want to work with, whatever prices you want to pay, whatever arrangements you want to make, you have choices. And this only works as long as the goods can freely move between the EU and the other member states, including the UK, without trade formalities. 
Imagine I would put a border between Texas and the rest. I mean, that would create Im impossible um, problems for, for, for supply chains and, and operators. So similar, this is here. So come Brexit day, thousands pieces of legislations, including customs and trade, will no longer apply, affecting anything from road transport to standards, to trade, as I said, to commercial arrangements, to free movement of people, IP law, data, import and export controls. And don't forget, this no-deal Brexit also means no divorce settlement, no withdrawal period where we you know, let it cool off, no cool-off period if you want. We go straight into the hard stuff. So what happens if you leave the single market? What happens if you leave the customs union? What happens if you, you leave the European Court of, of, of Justice for, for jurisdiction and, and dispute settlement? Instead of this, the UK trade terms um, and, and arrangements with the broader world would be managed, would be, would be governed by the World Trade Organization rules, the WTO. And these are very less detailed and are limited actually to just general trade uh, matters and concepts. So a less than ideal situation which will not resolve trade tensions and uncertainties for businesses, but I fear um, increase them. That's well, your no, Brexit, no deal Brexit. Well, th thank you. For, number one, thank you for the correction on the prime minister's uh, you know, true position, because I think it's, it's important to be, to be ac accurate and factual. And, and uh, again, you're, I'm here in the States and sometimes I, I, I miss things and you're there on the ground. So you, you know the, uh, the, the real deal there. So I appreciate the, uh, the, the correction. And, uh, you know, certainly I think, you know, when you think about the fact that, you, you know, you've been operating under the current model for decades, Right. And for all of it to kind of come to a halt, if you will, in terms of, uh, like you said, all these existing regulations and standards and so forth to kind of get, uh, uh, you know, tossed out and now have to come up with, uh, uh, you know, new ways of, of working together, um, you, you know, seemingly overnight under this, you know, no deal scenario. Um, you know, is something that's, you know, very, uh, certainly very concerning. So, so what challenges ultimately does this create for supply chain leaders? I mean, in other words, why, why does this matter, you know, to them? I mean, I think, I think you've already painted a good reason why it matters, but, you know, from a supply chain perspective, you know, what, why should supply chain executives be paying attention to this? Well, look, the, the, the easy answer, it's, there's no easy answer, of course, but if, you know, if we don't want to overcomplicate it, just put a border between countries, right? And, and, and that is, is challenging enough. Uh, imagine that now you're not sure anymore what rules apply. Before it was nice and simple. I move goods from A to B, what's the problem? Now I'm telling you, you can't just move goods anymore. Instead, uh, you're now changing the trading environment and that will profoundly impact businesses because if you have all of these uh, trucks now wishing to go to the UK and you're telling me, wait a minute, here's a border now, Please complete customs formalities. Please, do you have the licenses? Please let me have border checks. And they weren't used to border checks. What's going to happen? The first truck has to stop. The second truck has to stop. And before you know, you have an endless line of trucks waiting to be customs cleared because this is not uh, a, a customs clearance system that is ready in, in uh, you know, five minutes. It takes years to build up customs infrastructure and certainly at ports where there is absolutely none. We have seen examples of the impact and actually tangible examples of what, um, what not managing your supply chain 
um, correctly due to this uncertainty, not by fault of the people, means um, in the wake up to Brexit, uh, we, had, we had decisions to stockpile goods in the UK in warehouses due to this, this customs border delay fear um, in order to, to, to make sure that you could fulfill customers' orders and, and make sure that people get their stuff. So many people in the UK filled their warehouses to, to the roof. And then, of course, Brexit didn't happen. So all of these, uh, these goods had to be discarded. In some cases, where there were perishable goods, that created millions of, 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 of pounds, British pounds of damage. Um, this can't happen again, especially not at the end of October when the warehouse uh, houses are full for Christmas. Um, this buffer stock of the warehouses to guarantee supply will not be available again the second or the third time round. And imagine the amount of money that was already spent on this. So in the wake of the Brexit uh, deadline that now looms, um, we saw that, that these bottlenecks didn't materialize that we were expecting. The, the surplus eroded the profits um, and the inventory was discarded and, and destroyed at additional costs. The uncertainty ranges, so supply chain leaders um, need to get back to the drawing board ASAP and need to consider the following questions. What will post-Brexit trading um, mean for you and what is the trading environment that we will have to operate in? What additional costs do you expect? Where will be the expected bottlenecks and how do I manage them? How do I navigate around them? And how do I change my supply chain in order to avoid these disruptions. And the answer to these cannot just come overnight. A strategy needs to be employed as to how you will create end-to-end -end supply chain visibility. And that's what Brexit um, means to supply chain leaders right now. Back to the drawing board, back at looking at supply chains and connecting the dots end-to-end -end and figuring out then, once you have your supply chain visibility, what Brexit means. You know, those are great questions and, and a great point. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of companies, uh, particularly those that are more, you know, progressive, like you, like you said, a lot of them were planning for these, you know, scenarios and they took appropriate, you know, what seemed like appropriate action, right? Let's, let's bring inventory in as much as possible and, and so on and so forth. But then ultimately it got delayed and that kind of backfired, if you will. So it was kind of a, an insurance plan that they took and, and didn't work, really work out because the, you know, the outcome wasn't what they, what they expected. So you would think that now that, you know, if you're thinking along the same lines, you know, they might be a little bit more hesitant to do the same thing or even, might not even be possible to do the same thing to your point. This is around Christmas time and the holidays. So, you, you know, the warehouse is already full with more of the holiday stuff that's during a normal importing, you know, period. I mean, I've read articles here in terms of the pharmaceutical industry, right? In terms of, you know, the number of, you know, the uh, of drugs and medicines that the UK imports from, let's say, France. And, and uh, you know, and, and those hours, days, months long delay that could happen as a result of, you know, having a border now between the, you know, the two, the two countries. So, you know, a lot of, you know, risk and uncertainty there. And I think the questions you asked are, are, are really good ones. So, I mean, considering that it's, you know, uh, you know, a little bit more than a month away. I mean, um, in addition to asking those questions that you asked, I mean, I think some of the things that, I mean, what actions can they, can, can they take? I mean, is it working with some of the logistics service providers? Is it working with some of their partners overseas? I mean, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing or hearing that companies are taking, at least in the interim here, 
as October 31st approaches? Yes, a very good question. How, how do you work together with all the actors, the supply chains, uh, the, the multiple actors that you have in your supply chain, hundreds of suppliers, hundreds of, uh, of, of customers? There's, we have to realize that we can't wait for the government to give us the instructions. We have guidance already. It is now time for the supply chain leaders to, to step up. And before you start reaching out to suppliers and customers, you need visibility of, of, of you, you need to understand what the potential holdups are and plan for the alternatives. Um, you, so, so first of all, visibility, then communications for sure, and even a stronger collaboration with the suppliers and the customers. So this is point two. Um, you need to connect all these actors together in one strong supply chain to be able to say, all right, this is the impact. Now everybody do this. Um, it's almost like the field marshal or the um, the conductor in an orchestra, right? Where you are, where somebody has to lead the pack. Otherwise, everybody goes in, in different direction. Um, what it will come down to, though, especially with large and complex companies. So first, visualize. Then, communicate. Then third, you need to have data. You need to have um, the intelligent data that, that can be read by intelligent systems. Data that is not in one company, but that comes in from all your suppliers and all your customers. How else will you make the intelligent decisions that you need to make, right? And the challenge today is, and still today is, that you have multiple ERP systems, a patchwork of siloed applications, sometimes spreadsheets or manual processes to pull them all together. How will you make intelligence decision in such a complex world? And, and today, often, there is no centralized way to bring this data together. And, and once you have the data, make it machine readable so that it can be used in decision-making and pushed through intelligent um, applications that then enable this decision-making. And in the context of Brexit, um, that means, of course, being able to say, which supply chains do I need to change? Which partners may I need to change? Which customers may need to go? Um, so we need to move away from this, this, this patchwork of siloed applications and connect everything to a platform to enable visibility. That same platform, I would like to be a communicator. And that platform, I would like to make use of the incoming data in an intelligent way so I can drive uh, more, more, more efficient and Brexit-relevant decisions. And I think if we, if we think about that kind of platform, that, that one platform that brings it all together, visibility, communication, and efficient data, that's gonna get us ready for Brexit. No, great points, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of, of that model. I mean, like I, like I talked earlier, you know, when you think about, particularly from a global supply chain standpoint, where you've got, you know, uh, uh, many trading partners, um, whether it's suppliers, customers, customs agencies that are gonna be involved, uh, logistics service providers, and so forth, you know, having them all operating on, on a common platform to be able to share information, share data, share information, have that visibility to, to what's going on. Um, you know, that's going to enhance greater collaboration. Cause I think one of the things that, you know, that's coming out of all of this is to your point, you know, every company can't just be doing this on their own. I mean, they really have to, you know, we, t we talk a lot about collaboration and supply chain, but a, a lot of times we don't walk the talk. I mean, this is an example uh, where we truly, the industry truly needs to walk the talk and collaboration. Um, because, you know, this is the only way to, to successfully navigate, you know, through, through all of this. Um, you know, one of the things we really didn't talk about, but again, 
uh, you know, considering the technology implications, right? So from a global, you know, I talked about the three C's of global trade management, right? There's not just the software, but there's, there, there's the content, the connectivity, and the compliance aspect. I mean, a lot of what, you know, companies like E2Open bring to the table is the fact that, you know, you help codify some of these uh, customs regulations into the software to help automate and streamline clearance and so forth. But that all changes, right? Because now that's yet to be defined if, if uh, you know, we, we have a no deal and now all these processes have to, you know, come into play. So from a technology or software provider or content provider, someone that manages and stays on top of all this content and, and it has to ensure compliance, that's going to affect you guys as well, true? Yes, of course. Um, so it is a question when trade regulations change, when, when, when complexities become uh, great, when overnight, um, think of a no-deal scenario, the, the UK trade tariff changes and import regulations change, how are you going to navigate that? How are you going to prepare for that? Manually is impossible. Uh, you need someone who is able to find the legislation, codify the legislation, and update it in your system so when you come to the office on the 1st of November, it is all ready for you. Uh, and that's what we provide quite obviously in in, in to open um, it is a challenge that, if you think about it, may, may be very obvious in the case of Brexit, right? A big change of regulations. So you need to adopt your system. You need to adopt your, 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 chain, your, your, your relations with the freight agents to make sure you are importing and exporting in a compliant fashion. But Brexit's not the only example, right? Um, look, at, look at the US. Uh, there is so much uh, headwind right now in trade wars as it is called with, with China. Regulations change all the time. What are you going to do? Are you going to be the one that sits in front of a computer looking after regulation after regulation to understand what has changed now and five hours later you get, didn't get any work done? That's not possible, is it? Especially by the time you finish, it is already, uh, it's already out of date. Brexit highlights this problem. Uh, the problem that you need trade content to be up to date timely um, and, and, and real-time based as much as possible. And so having a system like this, having a system that feeds trade compliance data uh, that is read by a powerful uh, intelligent application and then, then enables uh, intelligent decision-making is, 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 is the next thing that we require. Now, add to this, this orchestra of suppliers and, and customers uh, all network together. And you're really preparing yourself for much more than Brexit. You're saying Brexit is the event, the event where I will start to think in this way. But whenever the next Brexit, God forbid, or the next trade war or the next uncertainty happens, I will be ready because I didn't see Brexit as a single event. I saw it as the catalyzer for changing the way I operate and changing the way I, I, I manage my supply chain. So it is away from siloed thinking, away from seeing Brexit as one problem to, a, to Brexit almost as the solution for all my future supply chain problems that I may, may see. And if you can turn Brexit from challenge into opportunity, well, then you're truly ready for Brexit. And anything else that happens. 
Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. I think you just answered you know, my, my last question. You know, we're kind of, you know, time to wrap up here, but I think the point you just made kind of alludes to what was going to be my last question, which, you know, uh, as you said, you know, Brexit is what's in what's happening here in the U.S. It's kind of the what's in the moment, if you will, and what's in the headlines today. But but it's only only one of you know many risks and uncertainties that supply chain leaders are, are going to have to face, are going to continue to face, you know, moving forward, especially in the in the global trade realm. So ultimately, what will separate the leaders from the laggards when it comes to successfully navigating through whatever disruptive events happen in the future? What a great question and. I think you're right. I think what I've just said is, in fact, the answer to this. It is taking a step back. Um, yeah, you can get wrapped up in, in Brexit. You, you, can, you can discuss it left, right, and center, and you still not find a solution. You need to step back. If it gets too complex, make it simple. Step a step back and say, where's the opportunity? Where is the, in all of this chaos, where is the the, cha the chance. And the chance is to say, you know, we're going to see Brexit as one event, but not the event. And we're going to do, we're not going to prepare for just Brexit and change everything to make, to be Brexit ready. We're going to say, what options do we have to create higher agility, reduce risks permanently, and very importantly, improve the bottom line? Yes, we need to act in these three ways. Risks must go down, money must go up, and agility must stay or improve. And it is with end-to-end uh, -end, um, supply chain visibility. It works with fantastic, modern, powerful, intelligent tools, like you mentioned, or you know, such as our global knowledge or, or trade content being, being captured and then being um, changed so that it fits into the business operations of, of any business really. And you can run business operations and meet the trade regulations and then spill out intelligent solutions as in import license required, free to go, what are the duty implications? So, so it's, it's, it's visibility, end-to-end -end supply chain visibility, these intelligent and potent applications, and it is the ability to bring all of this data together and make um, decisions based on, on, on the data, that the real-time data that you see powered by these applications. Then you can be the, um, the, 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 the chief of the orchestra and orchestrate your supply chain in, in ways needed. And you can change that orchestration depending on the global trade events, the headwinds, the, 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 the trade wars, the Brexits of this world. Whenever needed, set up like this, you can react to what's going on in the world. And I see that as the only way forward if we want to glow, grow global trade in the 22nd century. Um, together, networked, optimized, um, demand, supply, all together. We need to change the way we think, and Brexit is the, is the catalyzer uh, to do that, in my opinion. Uh, that's a great, uh, a great insight there. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at these, you know, these things like Brexit, um, you know, looking at them as not only a challenge or a problem or something to resolve, but really, like you said, taking a step back and say, hey, here's an opportunity. You know, we, we talk a lot about digital transformation, for example. A lot about digital transformation is about 
taking a step back and looking to see where is their waste in our current processes, yeah, right? Where are we using Excel spreadsheets? Where are we having people, throwing people at a problem and typing in stuff? Uh, where are we still using paper and so forth? I mean, these are all things that we know that we can't, companies can't continue to succeed you know, using these manual processes, operating in silos like, like they have in, you know, historically and, and so forth. So these, this is the type of thing that serves as a catalyst to address these challenges that companies have had for decades. And now is really the time to, you know, really seriously address these issues because that's the only way you're going to not only succeed around Brexit, but succeed around whatever comes down the road after that. So, you know, Arnie, we're out of time here, but I think you, you provided some particularly for this very timely and important topic and very meaty topic, you provided some great insights and advice for our audience. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Of course, my great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Great, I wanna thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Talking Logistics website or at the uh, E2Open website, and you've got any questions or comments for Arnie, you can post them there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Of course. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.